0: In January of 2019, my wife Rachel and I and our then three-year-old daughter Naomi, we had just sold our house, we had put everything we owned in storage, we quit our jobs, and we started this season of exploring and traveling around on this new church planning journey that we felt like Jesus had invited us into. And we ended up in Nottingham, England. Anyone ever been to Nottingham? I know you have. Come on, Dave. It's got the world, England's oldest pub, Ye Old Trip to Jerusalem. It's great. So we ended up in Nottingham, England, in the Vineyard UK National Leaders Conference. And we were sitting at this long table with about 25 or so of uh, vineyard pastors from all over Ireland. And they have the most fun out of all the, the vineyard pastors over there. And so we're at this really cool Thai restaurant. We're hanging out. And everyone's asking us all these questions about what we're doing, and we really kind of had no idea. And we didn't have most of our trip planned either. We just knew we were going to this conference, and then we were going to see who we met and go from place to place. And it, and it all worked out. It was great. But we had some dear friends from Northern Ireland, and we, we said, Okay, we're in uh, England for this week. Who do we need to see? Where do we need to go? And they both agreed very confidently, we had to go to Carlisle, and we had to meet Andy. I had no idea who Andy was, but it sounded like a pretty good idea. And so we're sitting at this table with all these pastors, and everyone's asking us where we're going, what's on our trip planned, and we're like, we really don't know where we're going next, but we know that we're going to meet Andy. And I'm not exaggerating when I tell you that every person that we met, every person that we talked to and said this, they all had the exact same reaction. They went, oh, Andy, you got to meet Andy. And we were like, what is it about this guy? I mean, you hear that once, and it's like, okay, cool. But then everyone kept doing it, and we were like, what is it? And, and everyone to a T said, meeting Andy is like meeting Jesus. You meet Andy, it's like meeting Jesus, And so we were really exciting, and honestly, I was kind of getting a little bit nervous because I wasn't expecting to meet Jesus in in England, but (laughs) the next day we started getting some messages on on WhatsApp from Andy, and he he was very kind, very encouraging, and then we had this one brief encounter outside the conference with um, uh, just thousands of people around us, so we didn't really get to talk or engage, but in this conversation, he invited us to come to a dinner party that they were throwing that night. And that was, kind of, that was kind of it. He was just like, we're having this party. You got to come tonight. And in my mind, I was a little bit like, Andy's just a regular dude. I mean, he's not that Jesus he is. I mean, he didn't even have a beard or anything. Um, I'm just saying, kind of expected him to have a beard. But he invited us to this dinner party. And so we're like, sure, we don't have anything planned. And so in the middle of January, in the cold, freezing winter, in the dark, we had to get on this public tram And go into this random neighborhood where we'd never been. And we finally found the house. And we knocked on the door. And we're like, I really hope we're in the right place. And some kids answered it. And they were like, who are you? And then an adult came. And they were like... We said, Andy invited us to a party, and they were like, oh, you're here, the Americans, come on in, and and everybody welcomed us in, and it was one of the best dinner parties I've ever been to, and I'm not joking, but it was so casual, I, I can't really explain what was so amazing about it, except for the people in this place were incredible. They were so uh, warm and inviting. They were so kind and encouraging. At, at a certain point, we were standing around eating, and all of a sudden, these like three young women started prophesying over our life and sharing these words uh, of God in the most naturally supernatural way I may have ever experienced. We left that party thinking, I don't really know who all these people are. Somehow Andy has developed this culture, um, but I want to be around them more. I don't know who they are. I don't know what their deal is, but we want to be around them. And we know Jesus. (laughs) And so we left that party, and um, months later, we were kind of in the middle of wandering around. This is before we made it to Covington, before we met a bunch of the people here at Songs and Stories. And we were kind of in this place of, like, what are we doing? Where are we going? Jesus, we thought we heard you, but we feel kind of lost, And we thought to ourselves, maybe we should go see what Andy's doing. (laughs) Because there's something about him that was like Jesus, and we wanted to be around him more. Have you ever been around someone that felt like you were meeting Jesus? And it has me wondering, what do people think after they meet me? What would somebody say If they were like, oh, Tyler, you got to meet him. What do people say about meeting you? And I promise I'm not here to make us all feel bad about ourselves. (laughs) Comparing ourselves to Jesus or even Andy can feel like a recipe for failure. But I want to explore more of what it is that God has in mind for each of us. So the scripture today comes from Mark chapter 1. Uh, We're going to look at verses 14 through 20. And this is at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. And it gives us a great picture of who he is and what he's all about. It says, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them... And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men, and they followed him. This has always blown me away. Uh, A guy shows up with an announcement. Good news, everyone. The kingdom of heaven is coming near, and an invitation to leave everything behind to experience something new. And some people actually do it. (laughs) People have been doing it all around the world for thousands of years. They get up, they leave businesses, careers, family, their hometowns, everything that they have known to start off on this new journey following Jesus. And what I really want to dig in today together is what's in that invitation? Sometimes the words of Jesus can kind of be confusing, they can feel Mystical, or like a parable that you know we have to really lean into and wrestle with and dig into, but honestly, I think this one is pretty straightforward today. As as another translation puts it, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. I will make And you become. This is the invitation of Jesus. You see, this good kingdom news, this invitation is not simply to have a new experience. It's not simply to try to be a better person. But it's to become something else. At its core, that invitation is all about our identity. Who we are, how we operate in this world, or maybe better yet, who we understand ourselves to be. It's an invitation to change, to become something new. And this isn't coercive, by the way. I had a hard time with this translation, Jesus saying, I will make you become, right? Does the the language of that just throw anybody off right away? Like, you're not going to make me do anything. But it's it's an invitation. Maybe it's just me. Okay, It's just me? All right, I'm working on it. It's not forced. It's an invitation to participate in a relational act of new creation because we are so deeply loved and wanted. We're going to go deeper on that into a minute. But I just want to remind us, Jesus does the making, the forming, the transforming. And we do the following, the listening, the obeying, the responding. He makes, we follow. We don't invite Jesus into our lives. He invites us into his. We don't write Jesus into part of our story. We get wrapped up and enveloped into his grand narrative of making all things new. And so Jesus's invitation is an invitation to change, but not just any change. What is he actually talking about? Not just be different or try harder or be better or or do something else, but to become like him. In Romans 8:28 or 8:28 or through 30, the Apostle Paul, who underwent his own amazing transformation with Jesus, he's gone all in on sharing this awesome news with the whole world, and he writes this. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. He chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. This is amazing news, (laughs) y'all. We've been chosen. And not just to be like an extra uh, awkward part of the fringe of the family, not like that weird cousin that you see at the family reunions, but to become like the son. We have been set right. We have been invited, relationship restored, and filled with the glory of God, just like Jesus. This was the plan all along. This is what you and I were born for, who, who we were created to be because we have an awesome Father in heaven who loves us. Paul, actually right before this, he wrote that all of creation is groaning and waiting in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed and to be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. The entire creation is waiting for us to fully step into who we are as beloved sons and daughters. I guess you could say this is kind of a big deal, right? This isn't just some invitation to a religious experience. It's not an invitation into a new set of rules or believing some new things. This changes everything about who we are And what our purpose is in this world. So, this year we've been talking about our strategy, Vineyard Covington, the thing that we feel like Jesus is calling us to do um, is about developing a way of life we can invite the city into. And this way of life is about centering everything in our lives together on the person of Jesus. And it's made up of these kind of three overlapping components be with Jesus, become like Jesus and do what Jesus did. I think this verse Mark 1:17 is one of the best scriptures that most succinctly shows all three elements of the way of life in one sentence. Follow me, be with Jesus, and I will make you become become like Jesus, fishers of people. Do what Jesus did. That's the invitation. But what does that actually mean, right? Become like Jesus in what way? And so specifically here, Jesus says that if we follow him, he will make us become what? Fishers of people. Our focus and our mission will turn from whatever else preoccupies us to go after the people around us with the good news of the kingdom. And to invite them into that same kind of relationship that we have within the family of God. To go on that same kind of journey of transformation of becoming like Jesus. And then ultimately to join that same mission for the freedom of people everywhere. This is his heart and his plan. This is our family business. And it's all about people. See, sometimes we get preoccupied with uh, how we're doing church, especially in a new church plant, and we're reimagining life and trying new things, and that's a lot of fun. But I want to constantly remind us that our mission is all about people. We exist to welcome new people into the family, experiencing the transformation of Jesus. Jesus said that he came to seek and to save the lost. He loves people and he is relentlessly going after them so that everyone would be reunited to the Father. Following Jesus is 100% an invitation to learn to love people like him. To love people in the way that he likes them. It's a little better grammar, but not much. To become the kind of people who go after and catch the people around us. Like the lyric in the song that we sang today that I just loved, some imagine you are distant and removed, but you chased us down in merciful pursuit. I've said this before, and we're going to keep saying it a whole bunch, but our mission keeps going as long as there are people out there who are not connected to the family of God. If there are people in our city who haven't experienced Jesus and his people and his transformation and his freedom and his forgiveness and his healing and his mercy and his love and his mission, then our mission is not over unless Jesus comes back and finishes everything all at once. This is what we exist for. This is what we signed up for. And no matter how comfortable we get with our current way of doing life or of doing church, If it doesn't expand our hearts to actually move towards the people outside, it's not working. And we're going to tear it down and try something new. Probably not everything, but, you know, tweaks along the way. We're constantly reevaluating. How is this working? How is this helping us connect as a family? How is it helping us experience Jesus? How is it helping us move outward on mission? Being a fisher of people is really just Learning to love people like Jesus. That's what it's all about. So, what is stopping us? Anybody have any good excuses? Do a little open mic. That would be really awkward, wouldn't it? I'm not going to do that. I'll just share one of my excuses. How about that? And maybe you can relate. Here's my excuse. When, When I read stories like this, when I hear the invitation of Jesus, when I meet people like Andy... I say, oh, that was great, but that's not me. I'm not like Andy. I'm not like Alicia. I'm not like whoever that person in your life is that you think is so good at this. That's just not me. I do other things, and that's great. We all have gifts. We all have different purposes that we play within the body. But so often, I think, way too many of us totally write ourselves off from this invitation of Jesus because we say, that's not me. That's for other people. And if that's your excuse, which sounds pretty great, I just want to say right now that it doesn't work. It doesn't hold up because remember, the entire invitation is that he is going to change who we are. He starts with something that we are not, and he turns us into something that he is making. So if our excuse is, that's not us, that's not me, that's not my personality, great news. Jesus is inviting you to follow him so that he can make you into something new. He is going to make us into fishers of people when we follow him. So don't let that excuse Stop you from stepping out into the transformation that he has for us. Are we all agreed on that? OK, that excuse is done off the table. OK. Uh, that's a 100 percent buy-in. I'm going to hold you to it. One of the most encouraging things to me is all of the examples throughout all of Scripture of people who started off as one thing. And because of God, because of Jesus, they became something new. Almost every example that we have in Scripture was not the person that could do the things we see them do until they had some kind of explosive encounter with God. This is our history. This is our legacy. This is what we are invited into. I just think about Peter. And on the moment of Jesus' arrest and crucifixion, he is hiding. After Jesus is crucified, All of the men are hiding in the locked room until Jesus shows up. He pours out his spirit on them and he recommissions them to go out. And just weeks later on the day of Pentecost, it's Peter who stands up and delivers the first sermon of the early church. And thousands of people come into the family of God. There's a transformation that happens when we follow Jesus. Jesus. Okay, so two, two quick thoughts, and then we'll wrap this up. How do we fish like Jesus? If Jesus is this awesome uh, fisher of men and women, he invites us to follow, to learn from the master, right? He does the making, we do the following. Uh, he is the teacher, we are the student. What does it actually look like to fish like Jesus, to become like Jesus. And there are probably a hundred things that we could talk about, but two things that I uh, just wanna highlight tonight. And the first is this, humility. Jesus was the perfect model of humility. He laid down his rights. One of my favorite passages is in Philippians 2 where it talks about Jesus uh, didn't consider his equality with God something to be clinged to, but he laid that aside and took on the humble position of a servant, and he gave up his life. Jesus said that he, even he, the Son of Man, didn't come to serve or to be served but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that was extremely countercultural and revolutionary in that time. In fact, there's books written about how Jesus was the first person that made humility into a virtue. It used to be a terrible thing to be humble. Like, I mean, nobody wants to be humble, but it meant that, you know, you were a servant. That's not cool. But Jesus, it says that he, he loved his friends till the very end. He knew who he was. He knew that the father had sent him. And so he gets up from the table and he gets down on his hands and his feet and he washes their dirty feet. This is who Jesus was. He was full of humility. And so we, as the people of God, as as followers of Jesus, our lives should look like Jesus. How are we practicing humility The only way I know how really is by becoming a servant. It was so awesome a few weeks ago when we did the $1 car wash in Covington. Um, So many of you all came out and we're gonna probably do that again because it was just so much fun. But getting to interact with the people of our city by serving, by, by washing their car, washing tires is not a very glamorous job. But to see the looks in people's faces when Cade mostly gave them the dollar, he was our VIP. Uh, he gave them the dollar and told them how much Jesus loved them. To see that the the change in their complexion, to see the tears in their eyes, to see walls broken down, to see opportunities to pray and connect with the people around us. If we want to be good fishers of men like Jesus, we have to be servants. We have to let go of our rights. We have to lay down the privileges and the things that we want to hold on to so much and pick up a towel and serve somebody. Serve the people around us. And one other thing that I'll share. There's, again, a ton, but hospitality. Hospitality. Jesus was so good at hanging out at parties. Jesus was so good at sharing meals with other people. He was so good at inviting people that nobody expected and often that nobody else wanted to invite to the table. Sometimes he invited himself to a party at their house. That was like master level status. We're, we're working on that. Sharing meals, uh, a really cool thing I, I read the other day that, that the word hospitality in one of the old languages actually means the love of a stranger. It actually means loving people that we don't know, people who are different from us, people who are maybe on the margins, people who specifically others aren't inviting in. What if we were known for being people who were very hospitable? In fact, this is like one of my biggest goals for us as a church, is that we would be known as a people who throw great parties. And I think we're pretty good at it, as Joe mentioned, and we're going to continue to do that, and we're going to go to parties. Like, has anybody invited you to a party recently? You should go to it. I'll just, I'll just go ahead. You have permission to go to the party, especially the people from outside of the family. So those are just two quick examples that we see in the life of Jesus, but I think they're pretty important. <laughs> It's kind of hard to think about being everything that Jesus was. What if we focused on two things, serving others and being really hospitable? Could we practice simple ways of serving the people around us and inviting them to share meals? So as we wrap this up, I just want to do a little evaluation. Where are you? Maybe you have never accepted that initial invitation from Jesus to come and follow him. There's an opportunity tonight. We would love to do that with you. We would love to talk more about you. To experience the good news of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven coming near. Breaking into our world right in the middle of this one. And experiencing him in that way. There's so much that he has for you. And remember... It's because he loves you so much. Maybe you've taken up that that invitation, initial invitation to follow Jesus, but you haven't actually been following him anywhere new. You followed him to a certain point, and we all do this, and we all have certain seasons. We follow Jesus to a certain point, and then we say, I'm pretty comfortable here. That was a good ride we had. Catch you on the flip side. We are are so serious about the fact that there is always more that Jesus wants to invite us into. And then the second question is, how are you changing? What are you becoming? Change is weird, right? Because it's hard to notice in the moment. But afterwards, we look back and we're like, oh, a lot of things have changed. But we are always changing. We are always becoming something. And if following Jesus isn't making us more loving, more forgiving, more humble, more servant-like, more great at parties, I would probably add to the list. Then I think that there might be uh, something wrong in the process of what it means to follow Jesus. And so maybe he wants you to invite you into something new. And what are you fishing for? Are there people around you, people in your life that you're aware of the fact that they aren't experiencing everything God has for them? And what are the ways that you're going after them? How's the catch? This is why we do things like Alpha. This is why we use tools. This is why we are having a missional workshop next Sunday morning. It seems like a long commitment to give up an entire Sunday morning. But this is what Jesus is inviting us all into. There are so many tools and things that we can learn. And I just want to close with an encouragement. So many of you have the heart of Jesus. I see it in you. One of the things that gets said about our community all the time is that we love deeply. We are people that love others and that's so amazing. I think so many of you, you already have the heart of Jesus. Of course, there's more to go. There's, but, but we are being transformed into the character of Jesus. And I think, honestly, the next big step for us as a church is we need to learn skills to operate as better fishermen like Jesus. This is what we're going to talk about at the workshop next Sunday. So register for that and come and join us. Let's all stand.